Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Product Development with your host, Dave Milligan, Assistant Vice President of Regulatory Compliance at American Equity Investment Life Insurance Company with over 30 years of experience in regulatory compliance. Joining him today are Anita Dolmes, a consultant with First Consulting who also has over 30 years of experience in insurance compliance, and Stacy Corin, principal at Milliman, who has been involved with compliance consulting for over 20 years. And now, here's your host, Dave Milligan. Good day. My name's Dave Milligan, and today we're here to talk about the compliance function and how it interacts with the product development process. I've had 30 years of experience in regulatory compliance, starting out in the product development and implementation area. And with me are Anita Domas and Stacy Corin. Let me throw things over to Anita and Stacy so they can introduce themselves. Anita? Sure, we'll do, Dave. Uh, my name is Anita Domas. I'm currently with First Consulting. I've been in the insurance compliance world for a little over 30 years now doing all varieties of compliance work from back in the days when you literally used to cut and paste contracts together to now where everything's automated and advertising review, product development, form filings and development, you name it in the compliance world, I've done it. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks, Anita. My name is Stacy Corin. I'm a principal at Milliman, and I've been doing compliance consulting for about over 20 years now. I do a lot of product development. Milliman's a global consulting firm, and we work with a variety of insurance companies and pretty well known for having a lot of, we have a lot of actuaries, but we also have some compliance people. And, and as a result, that's kind of opens the door to a lot of interesting product development. So I'm excited to talk with you all today about it. Uh, well, thank both of you for joining us today. As our listeners today may know, uh, insurance products must comply with specific regulatory requirements designed to protect both the solvency of the insurer and the interests of the policy owner. To ensure that these concerns are met, a product concept goes through various stages, typically handled and overseen by a product development team. Members of such a team include individuals from different technical areas of expertise throughout the company, including actuarial, marketing, underwriting, claims, investments, information technology, policy owner service, accounting, legal, and compliance. And while the specifics may vary by organization, the product development process generally consists of idea generation, proof of concept, a business analysis, research of both the market and laws, product design, product implementation, and introduction to the market. Most insurance products must be filed with an individual state insurance department prior to the introduction to the market to ensure that the product is viable and meets all state requirements for the type of insurance provided. As you could tell from our introductions, we have some individuals who have a vast amount of knowledge and expertise in this area. Hopefully they can provide some insight to this process. 
not only where have we come from in this process, but where we are going. And while this process may vary across organizations, there are certain key concepts and responsibilities that are important in any organization. Stacy, can you describe some of these? Yeah, I'd say one of the, the real keys, and you kind of hit on it in your introduction there, is having the right people. You talked about all of the different areas that need to be involved in product development, actuarial, marketing, claims, legal, compliance. IT's in there too. Getting the right people on board right up front is very important. The earlier, the better. And then empowering those people to make some decisions. That's going to result in a much more efficient process if the individuals involved are not only experts in their area, but they're able to make some decisions and they aren't going back and forth with a lot of other people. That can move the process along so much quicker. It also takes the right kind of people. So not only in skill set, so knowing knowing actuarial or knowing the systems well as, and, and knowing compliance well, but also being open-minded and kind of willing to try some new things and think about things a little bit differently. I, I, we're seeing so much innovation in product development and people who can come at it with that kind of creative and innovative mindset I think it's just going to result in, in, in better results across the board. All right. Thanks, Stacy And Anita, any insights you wish to add? I completely agree, Stacy. I mean, the, one of the keys is having all the right people involved up front. And so often, I'm sure you've seen Stacy and Dave, as I've seen, you don't bring in compliance until they're down a certain path and compliance comes in and says, oh, no, you can't do that. And, you know, everyone stops. What do you mean we can't do that? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to have all the right people in up front. <clears throat> and it's important that everyone who is involved understands the entire process, that what they're doing and saying impacts another area. So, again, as Stacy said, they need to be open-minded to understand that although your area may want something in a product to work a certain way, it may not work for others. And so it's important that you bring in the right people, first of all, and then that everyone understands the entire process, not just their piece of the pie. Yeah, as you can see, this process differs in different companies. And here at my company, I've, I've noticed it can become somewhat disjointed in nature. Do you have any suggestions on how to avoid that type of disjointed effort and sort of how to corral the cats into making a systemic method and process in bringing together all the various ideas necessary in the product development process. I think that having everybody at the table together, instead of each group working in their own pod, it's really important. So sitting everybody down, dedicating time to work on a new initiative is really important and having everyone involved. I think it also takes somebody who's a cheerleader. And, and so one person who feels really passionate about an idea, that enthusiasm can really be contagious. And so if they can get everyone else excited too and focus on here's where we're, our goal is and we don't really know how we're going to get there, but let's all kind of come together and figure out how to solve this problem. That can be really fun and, and exciting. And I think it can help keep the focus. If you know where you want to end up, um, you just don't know exactly how best to get there. 
I, I think that can really help with kind of corralling the cats, as you say, Dave. And Anita, anything you care to add? Yeah, I think a key piece is also having a project manager who's actually assigned to corral the cats, as Stacy says. It's really difficult if no one's taking charge. Everyone has other jobs. Product development is a small piece of someone's job generally, especially depending on the company. So if you have a project manager, they can make sure that they're getting input from every individual, whether it's in a meeting setting or they're just going out making phone calls on their own. A lot of companies are hesitant to enroll a position such as that because it's an extra head they feel doesn't have enough to do full time. But based on experience, it's it's surprising how many projects, whether it be product development or otherwise, a project manager really helps keep things going and gets things implemented timely. I think that's a really excellent point, Anita, because it is, and it's almost something that we see kind of growing as we're working apart more, that we need more corralling and having somebody who can really hold firm those deadlines, get everybody involved that needs to be involved is important. You're 100% right. The project manager is key. I agree. It's been a, a major development in in the course of my career that I've seen is the taking of that concept through to introduction and having some sort of process in place to make sure that it's being marshaled through properly. Many times individuals or areas of the company come in at different points in this process and you need to be able to make sure that they're coordinated and aware of what other activities have gone on. For example, at the beginning of the process, marketing has a great idea and they put it down on paper and and everybody agrees to it. And at that point, the compliance and legal area start drafting the product and the actuaries start pricing the product And once that work is finished, then marketing comes back in to find out, yes, this is truly a viable product, and now we can take it to market, and how do we do that? To go along with this, there's been a lot of innovation and development of new ideas in the product development area throughout the years, not only from a compliance perspective, but products are becoming more and more complex and need new ways and systems to ensure that the product is being priced properly and then that it's being serviced properly on the back end. With this, Anita, can you provide us with some insight as to what you see are some new innovations that are coming down the road or or innovations that you see coming in the near future? I think a key piece there is just when I started, I mean, we we barely had an internet. Everything was done paper and pen. And when you're working with product development, one of the things you want to do initially is determine who are your competitors and what product do you need to effectively and successfully compete with them. And it used to be where you had to go visit insurance departments, look at other carriers' products to get ideas make phone calls to your agents to find out what they're hearing in the field. And and now you just a few key clicks and all this information is at your fingertips. And that really helps significantly as as well as all the, the statutes and regulations being on the internet, easy to find, easy to do research, do Google searches for different things. It's just, it's amazing. What used to take weeks or months can take a matter of hours 
now. And that's what I see as the, the biggest key, as well as, I mean, for example, this podcast right here, we're, we're talking, we're recording this, and it's going to be available to hundreds, if not thousands of individuals. We didn't have that capability. We used to need to get people in the same room. And as offices are opening, and now with COVID, as everyone's working remotely, that's just not possible. But with Zoom and, and Teams and other similar things, you can pick up the phone, get in front of your computer and be in the same room, essentially, as the other individuals you need to talk to. And, and that's been a tremendous help because travel used to make things much more difficult. And now we all can be in each other's home offices and, again, the snap of a finger. And Stacy, any insight that you can bring to this? Yeah, I would say another change I've noticed in the last few years, and a lot of this is coming from maybe insurtechs or other new entrants into the insurance market, is a real focus on consumer-centered design. And so we're going in looking at a problem and identifying a problem, which may or may not even have an insurance solution. So we'll look at things like the, the financial burden that a serious health issue might impact on people or out-of-pocket medical costs that have an impact on people's financial well-being, retirement planning, and the challenges that people would have. And, and just kind of explore the problem, talk to consumers about the problem, and then back into kind of, well, is there an insurance solution? And if so, what is it? And at that point, you're not looking at compliance specifically. You start out kind of trying to solve the problem. And then you figure out how do you make a compliant project? How do you make that work with your systems? How do the actuaries price it? But coming in with that kind of blank slate approach and, and focusing on the consumer need first and trying to develop an insurance product to fit the need has been something that's been really exciting to see over the last several years. And, and I think on top of that, it's been really exciting to see insurance regulators get excited about some of these ideas. And we're seeing new flexibility and regulation that, that kind of opens the door and recognizes the need to innovate in insurance, which is, was almost a four-letter word in the past, like it never happened. It was too risky. But with this innovation, you know, not only is it industry looking at it, but it's also regulators looking at how can we be more flexible in our regulation to improve things for consumers. So that consumer-centered design approach has been probably the most exciting product development item I've seen in the last few years. I agree with all of that. And as you look at where we are today with COVID, this situation has forced us as an industry to look at not only the type of products that we offer, but how we offer those products. In the past, companies developed certain types of products and they were generally set by the type of distribution that the company utilized to sell their products. Now with COVID, companies have been forced to look at, can we reach the market in different ways using the same distribution model? Stacy, do you have any insight on that? Looking at, at consumer focus groups, um, social media, like other ways of reaching the market, that's definitely been an area of growth using other kinds of analytics to kind of the, the whole Amazon model to, uh, to determine where the consumer need is and to market to target market a little bit more specifically. That's been an area of growth. 
and kind of watching what are uh, being on, in touch with your social media as a, an insurer, what are people asking about and um, what are their concerns and can we design products that better fit those concerns? Because we have a, a more flexible way of communicating with consumers. And to go along with that and something that you mentioned, reaching out to regulators and how we do that has changed drastically. Uh, it used to be we would file a product, send it off to the state, and wait to see a response from them telling us what might be wrong with the product. Now we're finding more and more companies are reaching out proactively during the product development process and the idea generation process uh, to see what a regulator's thoughts are about such a concept and getting that information ahead of time before doing all of that work. Whereas in the past, we would just send things back and forth by regular old snail mail through, through the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, now we utilize email, voice messaging, can set up uh, you know, a meeting through Zoom or Teams with those regulators and do so in a faster manner. So I agree that access to uh, regulators and how we access them is improving. Absolutely, I agree. And I, and I think that there's a real willingness to engage and discuss new ideas. It, it's a real two-way street. That's definitely helped with product development. Anita, can you talk about this process also? Used to be, as we said, you know, you reach out to regulators using just the regular mail. Now we have all these new innovative methods and, and ways of reaching out not only to the regulators, but to individuals across our organizations. Uh, can you expand on that? Everyone is instantly accessible through things such as not only email, but Teams messages. You know, sometimes people aren't reading their emails right away, but if you have the capability to instant messaging, sometimes you can get a quick answer to a question so you can keep moving on. Whereas years ago, you used to have to wait until you actually get a hold of that person. Also, in general, not necessarily innovative, is it seems that regulators are much more likely, are much more willing, I should say, to help you out. It used to be almost you were afraid to reach out to them. Uh, now there's an open, ongoing relationship with regulators, and they really want to help. And so it's a much more collaborative relationship there. And again, you can't always get a hold of someone by phone, but email, it's just, it's, fantastic how easy it is. And with everyone working remotely, I was a little nervous at first thinking, how are we going to get a hold of these regulators? You know, sometimes you'd call the department and leave a message and you wonder, are they going to get this message? But I'm sure they have capability to now log into their phones in the office or those phones are being forwarded to their home. So it's, everything is working seamlessly as if everyone is in the office and that's really helped tremendously. Yeah, and also, as we had mentioned, you know, with the rise of InsurTech and other developments that have impacted not only the product development and implementation, but also the product delivery process. Five to 10 years ago, insurance companies would never have thought to provide access to a customer through a WebEx or a Zoom meeting or to have 
the ability for the customer to conduct transactions over the internet on a company website. Everything was always done through an agent. And then the agent would transmit that transaction back to the company. Now we're seeing not only those types of things being done directly with the company electronically, but also the delivery of the contracts, whether it's through an email or through a dedicated website uh, where the client can get their information immediately. Anita, is there any other type of technology or innovative changes that you can see coming on the horizon? Just the expansion of, I mean, with COVID especially, we've seen just an incredible expansion of everyone doing things online and the regulators are being receptive to changes, making accommodations for everyone. I don't know that that's going to go backwards. I think it's going to continue to grow and we're going to see different tools being developed to make it easier for those individuals who perhaps didn't previously have access to the internet or have computers at home. More senior products can be developed for marketing through the the internet. I think agents will probably have access to, I mean, they're already starting to have access where companies are issuing them their own type of pad of some sort where they can bring that to individuals that previously would have no access to see something electronically. Um, And things are being issued instantly now. So individuals don't have to wait for things to go through underwriting. The underwriting is being automated. Um, It used to take, you know, weeks to months to go through underwriting and then you'd get approved and you wouldn't have effective date till the first of the following month. Now everything is being done electronically and we're learning new ways to assess that risk electronically. And, And so you can apply for a policy one day and essentially get it the next day today. So that's really helping speed to market with things and just getting, uh, if your insurance have a question, again, they can send an email to the agent, send an email to the company, reach out, where in the past they didn't have that capability. Go on a web portal, type a question. It's just, it continues to expand, making it easier for everyone to get products sooner and ask their questions and get answers. and. It's been nice. And Stacy, anything new that you're seeing in the future? Yeah, I think there's a real push for, and this, this is really something to be considering at the product development stage, the initial product development stage, but this kind of idea of ongoing engagement and how we continue to interact and find ways to interact with consumers, not just at the time of a claim, you don't want to be that. That's the only time that you're engaged. And, and so you can see it in some of the involvement of new technology, for example, like a wearable that can help you monitor and improve your health. It's encouraging better health behaviors, which is great for the insurance company on a, on a life insurance or health insurance policy. It's also great for the consumer. You can engage and you can maybe get discounts on your on your rates. There's a lot of, of ways that, that those kind of ongoing interaction is being encouraged, safe driver discounts and all of those kind of things. Having these technology tools to help us engage with our insurer, help them monitor our risk, and we see benefits as a result of it. As a consumer, we would see a benefit. 
and uh, regulators have been more flexible in allowing these types of value-added sort of incentives and services by making amendments to the unfair trade practices regulation or lately, and all of that has helped to really open the door. They recognize this is a benefit for consumers. It's a benefit for insurers. And, and it's, it, it's a benefit not only in mitigating risk, but also trying to build that kind of loyalty with your consumer. You, you hate to have the only time you engage with them is when you sell them something. And on the worst day, when something really bad happened, um, if there could be some kind of positive associations with, with insurance, I think companies are really opening the door to that and trying to find ways ways to interact with their consumers more. I agree. Uh, I see it here at our company where we've actually developed a team aimed at customer interaction and improving that customer interaction experience. You know, how can we prepare that customer for a better insurance buying and usage uh, experiencing, you know? In the past, we would issue the contract, the agent would deliver it, and on an annual basis, we would send them their annual statement and ask if they had any questions. And as Stacy said, the only other time that we would interact with them may be on the day where they need to utilize that insurance coverage. Well, those days are gone, and you know we're now seeing uh, systems in place with instant interaction and sometimes constant interaction with our customers. For example, there are devices that are being put in automobiles that can help detect the driving uh, mannerisms of the customer. You know, are they speeding and breaking automobile laws on a regular basis? That may increase their premium, or are they safe drivers where they're always coming to a complete stop at stop signs uh, obeying the speed limit, and that can help adjust their premiums immediately instead of waiting for the end of a policy year or a policy period and having to re-underwrite that risk. And as we are developing those types of new systems and new interactions with our customers, we have to think about those right up front some of these things used to be what we would call day two items. And you could think about them, but they were off in the future and didn't have to bother with them immediately. Now we have to think about how we're going to implement those things right from the beginning of the product development cycle. Now we've talked a lot about the good things that we've gotten from innovation. Uh, however, with change, there's usually the room for something to go wrong. Stacy, wondering if you could provide some insight into where you see some of the breakdowns in the process. Well, I would say one of them goes back to the first thing that we talked about is having the right people early on in the room and not having things drag out and then suddenly bring in, for example, compliance where we have to come in and be the dream crusher because nobody wants to be that. We want to be solving solving problems and not saying, wait, no, uh, we have to start all over. So, so bringing in the right people, um, bringing in systems, IT early, I mean, technology and admin systems are consistently an issue with new products. 
and they take a while to build and to build new things. And, and so we want to make sure that they're coming in early. So that's where, where you can see a fail is if you don't have the right people in early on. Another one, especially if you're, you're doing things that are very, very innovative or, you, you know, either nobody's done or that are really innovative to your company is not having an exit strategy. So sometimes we're trying things and we're not 100% sure they're going to work. Um, maybe they just won't ever get off the ground in the market. Maybe nobody's ever, you're not going to get enough participation to make it worthwhile. You, you just don't know sometimes. Maybe, maybe there was a pricing issue or something else. So if you go in and have a plan, how are we going to watch to see how this is, how are we monitoring how, how this plays out? And how do we have, what kind of strategy do we have that's going to respect our consumers if we need to end this program or modify it? You know, what kind of things can we do very quickly to fix a problem that shows up, especially when you're innovating? Anita, you provide some uh, insight into where you see the process breaking down. What are some of those log jams that you've seen? Again, as Stacy said, having the right people in the room really help. And one thing that comes to mind is agents are always wanting to, to bring additional value-added benefits uh, to the table to differentiate their product, their company's product from another company's product. And uh, if you don't get compliance input from the beginning to find out what's acceptable as a value-added benefit, what's not, what needs to be filed, what doesn't, because there are some states, even if it's not an insurance product, uh, you need to put that information in the contract somehow. So again, it's it's very important to make sure that you have the key people up front in the system, or once you get the product off the ground, you end up getting an insurance department complaint and finding out, okay, great, we're doing something now that we're not allowed to do. And and had you had the right people in the room or even known, I mean, sometimes it's a matter of knowing when you need to ask compliance the questions about something because you don't want to wait until it's too late. Yeah, and this goes back to communication. I think keeping everyone updated and aware, uh, even if they're maybe not involved at a particular point of the process, you know, change may still impact their area down the road. Keeping everyone involved can keep a problem from occurring later on. Uh, the actuarial department may decide that they want to be able to add a certain benefit to a product. And they say that from a cost standpoint, it's okay. And the legal department says, yeah, we can add that and that's no problem. But if somebody hasn't kept the IT department aware of these changes, uh, they don't know to program for them down the road. And so we're getting close to rollout and all of a sudden IT says, hey, we need an extra six weeks to program for this change that we talked about eight weeks ago. And that's gonna impact the rollout and the service of the product down the road. So you need to keep that in mind. One thing that we've started doing here at our company is having a product owner. This person's job is not necessarily a project manager, uh, but they're kind of an overseer of the entire process, making sure that everyone stays involved and engaged, bringing the right parties in at the right time, 
and making sure that the lines of communication are open and that everybody is aware of any developments or changes in our process. And that allows for us to have a clean process from idea generation through development to product rollout. As we wrap things up here, Anita, I was wondering, you have any tips for any anyone or any insurers that are developing a new product for a new market or a, a new line of business uh, that they may not be familiar with? Anything that you can give them uh, some insight into what they should be thinking about and what they should expect? Again, communication is the biggest key and also utilizing all your resources. Um, if you're not familiar with a certain product line or, or a specific product within a product line, I mean, reach out to your peers. I mean, AICP is a great example of the ability to reach out to your peers to say, hey, we're not in this. We're just entering this product line. What can you do to uh, what resources can you let me know are out there? And just don't be afraid to ask questions. People are out there wanting to help, willing to help. Reach out to your regulators. Ask them, you know, what are things we should know about? Do you have any tools in your website we can go to to help us, you know, make sure that we are not overlooking anything? Just that's just the key, the communication and the, the continued um, ask questions. Do your research and don't be afraid to utilize all your resources. Yeah, you can always reach out to consultants like Anita and I, too. You know, <laughs> we're happy to do that stuff, too. I would like to thank both of you, uh, Anita and Stacy, for joining me today. As the listeners can tell, there's been a lot of development in this area over the last two to three decades. We started out developing and writing our contracts with paper and now we're issuing our contracts on digital platforms. I think one takeaway everybody can get from our discussion today is that uh, the key to this is having a process and making sure that you're communicating during that process, uh, keeping everybody involved and aware of what's going on. And that, that includes, you know, not only people within your organization, but others who would be involved, including regulators who may have great insight and provide you with, with ideas for new and innovative products and how those can be safely brought to, to the market to, so that consumers can benefit from them. Again, want to thank Stacy and Anita for joining me today, and thank you for listening.